Ooh, Ooh the sounds of sweet vibration. Mm, so sweet they are. I have to say, this is one of my favorite, favorite sex toy companies because one, you have a sweet ass time, but also, I mean, they have so many different options for you. And look how pretty and fun they are. They're bright colors. They do all kinds of exciting things. There's one that goes around your clit in like surround sound. There's one that <laughs> simulates um, conolingus. It doesn't vibrate. It kind of blows air. I love these. Also, all of them are waterproof. All of them are rechargeable. They come with a discreet travel case, USB charging cable. I mean, this really is absolutely amazing. Plus, there's a lifetime warranty. So if you're looking to have a sweet time with sweet vibrations. For a long time. For a very long time. Mm-hmm. You can check them out on Instagram at Sweet Vibrations and online. Visit SweetVibes.toys. And we have a little promo code for you. We do. It's wild love. And you get 15% off at checkout. That adds up. Have some fun. Woo. Today we're joined by Julia Hart, who's an entrepreneur. She's an ass kicker. And she's revolutionizing everything from the high heel to women's lingerie to the field of modeling, which she's turning into a feminist fiesta. She is a badass. She walks in here super, I mean, she looks so good, first of all, but like incredibly intelligent. She's somebody that I want to like put on my wall and model after. And like all of my actions are to be more like Julia Hart. Like she is just that amazing and that powerful of a woman. What you said. <laughs> Enjoy, guys. Whitney, yes. I know I say this sometimes, but I'm going to say it to the nth degree. I'm so excited right now because my friend, Julia Hart, who there's so much energy whenever she's in the room that the room is literally vibrating. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> is here with us and she is going to give us a masterclass in being a queen who rules the world. Yes, because <laughs> clearly she's doing it. <laughs> Clearly she's doing Thank it. Thank you, guys. Thank and, you. And also, at this table right now, there's a Texas majority. Woo! Oh, my God, yes. Texas. There's so many Texans here. It's amazing. <laughs> You're representing right now. This oh, yes. room is throbbing with Texas right now. <laughs> mm -hmm. So the amazing thing is the circumstance of Julia winding up with us here today. <laughs> yeah. Everything about her is amazing. But I got on my flight to Los Angeles and I looked over as I was trying to settle in, and I said, those are the most amazing shoes. <laughs> the only person who can pull off those shoes is, and I went up the person's leg, and it was Julia Hart. <laughs> <laughs> so y'all are sitting right next to each other on no, the way out No, literally across from one another. And it wasn't like we were just on the same flight at the same time. We were literally sitting in the same row and you know first class it's not like there's seven people it's one seat and one seat and mm -hmm. we were literally across from one another <laughs> on the same flight going to the same town meeting with the same people meeting just with say, the same people and i said you have amazing. to be on the podcast and um it was great all right we have to tell people what it is that julia does mm -hmm. i because i kind of want to say everything <laughs> she has a long boss babe title she does and she has a long boss babe CV, but you are currently, tell us your current title at 
Elite. Yes. Modeling. I am the co-owner of Elite World, which is the largest modeling conglomerate in the world. Um, we encompass women, the society, elite, supreme, all over the world. I am also the CEO. I run the company. And we're also starting a fashion brand under Elite, and I'm the creative director. Woo, girl. So Woo. I have a few titles. She has a few titles. And also, <laughs> when I first met Julia, she was the creative director of La Perla. And yes. so, I mean, that is such an incredible brand Thank that you. you stepped so easily into the role of modernizing La Perla and tell people what you did. You designed a whole line of clothing can you tell that I'm obsessed with her? <laughs> you you changed La Perla. Can you talk a little bit about sure. that? Just how you stepped into that role and changed a brand with a big heritage? Because that took a lot of gumption, lady. <laughs> Thank you. Well, honestly, pretty much everything I've done, and I've done some diverse things. I started with a shoe brand, and then I moved into lingerie, and now I'm running the modeling industry. The one stream throughout all of this has been alleviating women's suffering, making women stronger and more self-confident. And now I'm not a politician. I do not make any claims that I am changing the world. But in my own small way, I do feel that we can all help one another. So when I came into La Perla, La Perla was originally founded by this woman called Ada Mazzotti. Um, and again, this is in the 50s. So this was at a time when women did not found companies. Mm -hmm. They did not run fashion brands. I didn't know this yeah. about La Perla. Yeah. So, and um, she was one of the few women of her day that ran a full-fledged fashion house. And from the time that she passed away until the time I came on board, La Perla was run by men. Now... Please, mm. someone explain to me <laughs> oh my God. how a lingerie brand oh, can be designed and run by people who will never wear the product they are making. No yep. Kind of like way. tampons, right? Right. Or shoes or pretty much anything oh, in the fashion God, industry. Anything. To the extent that if you think about it, you know, you always think of fashion as being, you know, because it's always new styles, new things, new ideas. The reality is... Fashion is very stodgy. It was mm. made for women, but not for women. Mm -hmm. I Meaning hear you. nobody cared what we felt like, only cared what we looked like. Oh, mm. yeah. Right? And this is the amazing thing that you did at La Perla. Yeah. Julia went into La Perla and decided to design, I don't know, is it called well, yeah, I'll daywear? Explain it. Please well, explain basically, it. Basically, it's incredible. The idea was to eradicate the concept of suffering for beauty. Okay. Love that. That is a radical concept. Can we just take a minute? Sure. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you think about it, you know, there was this um, exhibit in the Victoria and Albert Museum a few years ago, and they had these x-rays of what a woman's body looked like in a corset. Oh. All the ribs squeezed and completely misshapen Ugh. and what it was doing to, you know, all their insides. And their people would walk by and say, oh my God, how did women allow themselves to be like this? And then you turn around and you buy a $10,000 jacket and you can't reach for the salt because there's no movability in the arm. Mm -hmm. Or you just go to Zara and buy some high heels that are 
terribly designed yeah. and, and, and torturously hurt, painful. Really hurt yeah. exactly. feet. Like speaking of those x-rays, like foot binding. Yeah, seriously. So the, the reality is that here we are, you know, when I took over, it was 2016. 2016, women were still suffering for beauty. And to the extent that, um, because I'd never been creative director before, I tend to not know what to do until I just do it. And then I figure it out as I go along. Oh, I like that. So uh, we, I had media training because obviously I was going to be interviewed and magazine editors. And so I was told three things. I was told, Julia, number one, you dress too sexy. If you want someone to take you seriously, cover the boobs, wear longer skirts. No. uh, Don't. You cannot be taken seriously if you're too sexy. And my response to that was, fuck that. Am I allowed to say this on this podcast? Okay, good. Because I think in the olden days, feminism was about because we wanted to be taken seriously, because we were walking into a world of men, we tried to be mannish. We dressed like them. We we drank scotch. We cursed. Mm-hmm. We you know we made ourselves. We defeminized ourselves because we were almost embarrassed to be women. It kind mm-hmm. of became the psyche that if you want to be taken seriously, you can't look feminine. I think mm-hmm. of those eighties. Um, I think yeah. of I think of like the second wave feminists as pretty rad. Like they wrote our bodies ourselves, and they were like sex is political, and they were into it. I think of what you're talking about as like. When you say that, I see those '80s yeah. outfits that with the big shoulder big pads, shoulder pads and, the and covering, and they yes, were so yes. sexless. It yeah. was almost like exactly. a burqa or something. It yeah. was like you were literally you were trying to cover yourself and hide yourself. Exactly. And you said no way to that. Well, honestly, to me, the the evolution of that is we should enjoy being who we are. Mm-hmm. We're women. Mm-hmm. We have breasts. We have curves. Why the fuck should we hide them? We should not. Right. We should love being women. Mm-hmm. We should be feminine if we want to. We should show our bodies the way we feel comfortable doing it while still running the boardroom, being respected. And when they told me that, you know, I have to cover myself up, I come from a very religious background and I was told to cover myself up my whole life. Mm-hmm. So to me, freedom means I get to choose what I put on my body and you're going to respect me anyway. Absolutely. Um, yes. And so to me, the evolution of feminism is feminism that is feminine. Feminine feminism, meaning you don't have to hide being a woman. You don't have to pretend mm-hmm. that you're not. Mm-hmm. Right. Enjoy your curves. Vive la différence, right? Right. But you can still run the boardroom. You can be still self-reliant, independent, command respect. And the reality is I have not changed anything for anyone. I will always wear the miniest thing, the most low-cut top. I'm getting married soon. Basically, my dress is pretty much naked with a few little pearls put in just particular <laughs> places. I know um, who's going to love that. Oh, I think, I hopefully everybody will love that. Everybody. But hopefully my fiance. But especially him. But honestly, I have to tell you that I made the dress for me. Mm-hmm. Right. I wore what I wanted because to it's wear, you know? Because it's your day too, yeah, you know? Exactly. And this is like you looking exactly. as beautiful as possible and feeling comfortable exactly. and feeling sexy and like being yourself. Yes. And if you think about all the co- of all the countries where women are not free, think of all the countries where women are not allowed to drive a car, are not allowed to own property, get arrested for adultery, get killed for adultery, they're covered head to toe. Mm-hmm. The minute... And, you know, this is something that actually bothers me a lot. You know, you have this whole Me Too movement, which 
I mean, it's about fucking time. But there's this backlash where people are saying, oh, well, they were asking for it. Oh, she was dressed inappropriately. I've literally read in the newspaper that women are trying to dress more modestly. Excuse me? Do not blame the victim. It is not my problem what a man thinks. He needs to control his own inclinations. He needs to control himself. I get to wear whatever I want. You get to wear what you want. Whatever I want. Right. And you know, the amazing thing was how you wanted, you you refused to change the way you dressed at La Perla. And then you went one step further and you changed the way women dress day to day by incorporating the great comfortable aspects yeah. of lingerie. Can you, because Julia one time said to me, try this on. <laughs> I don't know what it was. It was like a suit dress thing. And yeah. I was like, that's thinking to myself, like, that's ridiculous. And then she said, and try these on. She developed these shoes that are like, Julia's really petite and she designed these shoes that you can have a lot of height and be completely comfortable. And I said, this is not going to work. And I put the stuff on and I felt so boss. Yes. So talk about what you did at La Perla because people need to know this. So basically in conjunction with that, the idea was to eradicate the concept of suffering for beauty, right? Yes. Be feminine and to enjoy it and not to feel constricted or constrained by your clothing. So, um, and it's funny because when I first started that and I said, I'm going to make the clothes comfortable, everyone's like, Julia, don't say that word. (laughs) Comfort and fashion don't work. I'm like, it does now. Watch me. Watch me. So basically, I mean, I don't want to get too technical, but the idea was, I know I was in a lingerie brand, but I was going to burn the bra. And what I mean by that is I was going to change the way we wear bras and change what the materials were, what the makeup was. And what I did is I did the... For the first time, I think in history, maybe I'm wrong, but I incorporated bras into clothing Mm. so that you could wear clothes with your cup size so that the actual, in other words, instead of the straps holding you up, it was the sides and back of the clothing that acted as your support. Mm -hmm. And so you were, you were completely supported, but you're, but you had no straps. It's so brilliant. What do you do every day when you come home? Take off that bra. Take off that bra. bra And Julie was like, let me help you with that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So literally by using the, like, let's say it was a dress by using the sides and back of the dress to hold up the bra and your breasts, you didn't need straps. You didn't have that again, that constricted feeling but I mean, I'm 48 years old. So if it could hold up my breasts that have seen four babies nursing, it can hold up anybody's breasts. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm a double Tried D, and so, true. Yeah, exactly. Um, and the other thing I did is the material itself. And this is something I'm actually really excited about because now I see a lot of brands are incorporating this. So traditionally, high-end luxury does not use stretch. They don't use stretch materials. That's why you can buy a $10,000 Christian Dior jacket and you can't reach for the salt, mm-hmm. right? I mean, honestly, I have to say, I love what I'm wearing, but it's not comfortable. It's so cute. It's thank so you. But, but again, it's, it's not lamp. stretched. And so like I'm waiting to get home and take it to off take because it off. I'm waiting, you know, my clothes come in September. So meanwhile, I'm stuck wearing other people's clothes other and they're designers. not comfortable. <laughs> they're not comfortable. A guy designed this. I was going to say, it has to be so hard for you to go shopping. Yeah, it drives me crazy because the things that look beautiful are not comfortable. Yeah. So the idea was the way that you make clothing stretchy is you incorporate elastin. 
Now, imagine if you have this beautiful silk thread, right? And you want to make that silk thread stretchy. You wrap elastin around it and it makes it stretchy. The stretchier you want to make it, the more elastin you have to wrap around. That's why when you think of something very stretchy, like an Hervé Leger dress, Mm -hmm. it's extremely heavy (laughs) because you are wrapping so much elastin around those original threads. So instead of a garment having 100,000 threads, I don't know, I'm making up a number, it now has 800,000 threads. Mm. Okay. Do you see? Yeah. Yeah. So what we did basically is we removed the inside fiber of that silk thread and we replaced it with elastin. So now this silk is wrapped around it so you don't feel it. It doesn't feel plasticky. It's not an iota heavier. Mm -hmm. And you can move in it. So I had whispering soft laces that stretched. You know that feeling when you have a thong and up your... And comfortable. Mm, yeah. And it feels like someone is, you know... Yes. yes. Because traditionally, lace was not made out of stretch material because it would make it too thick. Mm. But when we, you know, when we started using these threads, I went to the factory in Calais that has been making laces since the 1700s. I remember when you made this yeah. trip. Uh, I had been making laces since like the 1700s. They had been doing like Louis XIV, you know? And uh, I told them, look, I know you've been doing lace for the past 400 years, and I've been creative director of La Perla for like seven seconds, <laughs> but um, I want you to use these threads to try and make the first ever stretch levers lace, which is like the finest, made out of these special looms that only exist in a few places in the world. Wow. And the guy literally patted me on the head like this, honey, literally, like totally looking down at me like, you don't know what you're talking about. We've been doing this for 400 years, blah, blah, blah. That was the wrong move. Yeah, for real. For a while, I had on my wall at La Perla the email that he sent me six months later saying, Julia, you saved my company. Because that lace was so unbelievable. It was soft. It moved. It wasn't an iota thicker, mm-hmm. and yet it was outrageously comfortable. And it felt good on women's yeah, bodies. Exactly. It wasn't enough to look good. You need to be comfortable. How can you be confident? How can you rule the day when you can't breathe? Right. Or you're spending all day suffering. It doesn't work. Right. So that's what I did in La Perla. In La Perla, the idea was making women feel feminine, making them understand that they can be women, they can luxuriate in their curves, and they could still rule the boardroom. And Julia, had La Perla done outerwear before no. you? So, well, I mean, you forget. You yeah. did that too. And I think this is the other thing is like, clothing. how amazing is it for you to go in there and stand up for something that you really believed in, even though you were brand new to this position, whereas a lot of people probably would have been intimidated by someone who's been, you know, in that industry for so long. And yeah, I just like, didn't know what I didn't know. So I just went ahead and did what I thought I should. Yeah. And you know, when people tell me no, I mean, at this point, like, honestly, I don't even hear it. <laughs> I've been told no so many times. It's just like, you know, like, yes, you know, that there's guys and you talk about certain things and they're like, what you told me that that's mm-hmm. me with the word no. Don't hear it. Yeah. People are like, Julie, but we said no. Really? What? 
when did that happen? I don't, I don't remember that. Tell us about the technology. So you made this technological intervention. Yes. With lace. You made a big intervention at La Perla by saying, we're not just doing lingerie. We're going to do outerwear. We're going to make suits for women with bras built in that feel good Mm -hmm. and that look super sexy. And you, you feel like you're wearing, I don't know how to describe what I felt like I was wearing. It was stretchy and comfortable yeah. and but it looked like a tailored suit it was amazing you did that innovation then you made an innovation where you worked with nasa this is one of my what? favorite this is Julia stories. before la perla that was first that was my shoe company okay <laughs> this is a woman who wow. says we have to fix the shoe problem <laughs> let so me much. get nasa on the phone <laughs> yeah seriously can we please so how do how does NASA and shoes well, all come together? It wasn't actually. I mean, it was a material that was used by NASA to insulate their space stations. Basically, it's this gel that is anti-shock and cooling. And again, this is when I first my first brand that I started was my shoe brand. And because as um, as as you well know, I am vertically challenged. I'm petite too. Petite. <laughs> I am too. We're I'm a, I'm a tiny person. Um, I always wore massive heels, mm-hmm. like enormous massive heels, but they're excruciatingly painful. They're on the same way. I can't wear, I don't want little heels. Yeah. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, but I I want to be comfortable. Right. I don't right. want to suffer. So basically what we did is, I mean, it's it sounds so stupid, but it was such a minute alteration. But I mean, you're going to, sorry, we're going to need to use your hands for a second. Go like this with your hand. Mm-hmm. Where do you feel pain? And my right here, right yeah. here. That's what your foot looks like. Imagine this is the heel. Yeah. This is your your foot, and this is your body. That's why it hurts so badly in the front of mm-hmm. your foot because the weight of your whole body is resting on the front it's of, on your the foot. Yeah. of your foot. Now, with your hand the same height, go like this. What do you feel? Comfort. So much better. <laughs> nothing. You yeah. Feel nothing. Right. Be and again, the height has not changed. It's the arch. It is a two millimeter adjustment in the arch. Wow. That's it. But that two millimeters changes the structure of the shoe so that the pressure points are equally distributed across your entire foot. That's incredible. So now the weight of your body is not on the front of your feet. It is now evenly distributed. Of course, it's never going to be a sneaker, but it is vastly more comfortable. Then the second thing I did is if you go to the store and you try to buy a Dr. Schultz, right? You can't stick it in a high-heeled shoe because there's not enough space for the rest right. of your foot. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Meaning the mold is made so that there's no room for any kind of gel or anything. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, these molds have been around since the 60s, literally. Mm. That's why so many brands' shoes look all the same. They can have a different color, a different top, but the structure of the shoe has been the same forever. Mm. Right. What I did is I created my own molds that were much deeper, and then I put this cooling anti-shock gel inside the shoe, underneath the the part where your foot is touching. So when you walked, you know, sometimes you feel like you're literally eating the ground with your feet? Yes. Right? No more. It literally cooled your feet. It created a barrier, literally an anti-shock barrier, and it was this soft, incredible mattress of a gel that was inside the high-heeled shoe because my molds were deeper and I had the space to put in that gel. 
So again, are they earth-shattering inventions? Honestly, oh, no. Yes. Yeah, I know. Oh, yes. yes, they are, actually. Yes. <laughs> a comfortable high heel? Yes, that is an earth-shattering <laughs> uh-huh. innovation. I feel like you're about, you have helped us see in a new way that we can have pleasure. We have it all. Pleasure and power. I mean, there should be no reason where, why we have to choose. Whether, you know, the idea was, okay, if you want to be beautiful and fashionable, you have to suffer. If you want to be comfortable, you have to look like a nurse. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not that there's anything, you know what I'm saying. There's right. nurse shoes and the, right. meaning we you, know what you, you didn't have No disrespect to nurses. We no love them. No disrespect to nurses we because love I you. have a massive respect for nurses. But I'm saying like that kind of, you know. Um, Very comfortable. Comfortable. Again, to be comfortable meant it had to be thick soled and look you know, like an yeah. older kind of matronly shoe. Like an orthopedic I mean, look, when like I'm trying to be comfortable, shoe. I'm in like a sweatshirt like I'm in now. I don't have cute shoes on. I'm like right, right. just cruising out. So. Yeah. So to me, I wanted to give women a new choice, which meant you can have it all. You can feel wonderful. You can feel comfortable. But also you can feel sensual and sexy and strong and powerful. Mm -hmm. And you no longer have to choose one or the other. And you came to this. You have such a passion for this. And you mentioned really briefly that you come from a very religious background. You were taught to always cover your body up. Sometimes we've spoken and we talked about how you grew up in a culture where you were ashamed of your body, right? And you were taught that it was dangerous and, and you had to hide it. Yeah. How do you how did you reconcile that? How did you push the eject button on that? Is it still with you in you a little bit? Honestly, not even remotely. Um and I think it came from the realization that you know, in that kind of culture, you only exist as an addendum to. Meaning if you want to be good, you have to make sure that you're modest. Why? So that a man shouldn't think bad thoughts about you, right? So meaning it's not his problem. Yeah. It's my problem. You know, I come from a world where you are not allowed to sing because a man might see you sing and therefore it'll bring him to bad thoughts. Uh, You can't dance because he might see you move and bring you to bad. So basically my whole life was this large because a man might think X. So I didn't exist as a person just as an addendum to what someone else thought about me. When I, you know, it's funny because I have to say that um, I always didn't understand that. Like, why is it my responsibility to control somebody else? Why isn't it the man's responsibility? Mm-hmm. But I thought like something was wrong with me, you know, that I was not a righteous person, that I had some problems, that God was going to hate me. And then my daughter Miriam was born and she was this literally born nudist. I could not keep clothes on her body for love or money to the point that like, um, you know, we were once shopping in Neiman Marcus. She must have been like four years old. So she was just at that point where sometimes you're in the carriage, sometimes you're not. It just depends Mm -hmm. on how tired she is that day. And I was strolling her down and I see everybody's looking at us. And I'm like, yes, my daughter's so beautiful. Yes, she's gorgeous. Everybody's looking at us and I'm just proudly strolling along. And then I like walk around to get something and I see she's stark naked. <laughs> she's sitting in that carriage, stark oh naked. Miriam took it off. Somehow, as I was walking through the store, she had quietly 
managed to disrobe without my noticing. And she just left her clothes out in the wild. Left her clothes out in the wild. Who Meanwhile, Meanwhile, I am strolling around with a nude child. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. In a very proper Neiman Marcus. Were you still very religious at that point? Oh, yeah. I was completely covered, had to tow the whole nine yards. And of course, in a world where you're supposed to be covered, to have a nudist child is a bit of a challenge. Yeah. A bit of a challenge. A bit of a challenge. So Miriam was not having it from a young age. From day one. Really from day one. And so she's the one that made me realize, okay, it can't be just me. Because here's a four-year-old, a five-year-old, asking the same questions that I've been asking myself my whole life. Mm-hmm. You can't say she's evil. She's five. Right. You know? And right. Um, I remember when she was in first grade... Uh, we had, you know, like you have a PTA and you go to the school. So this was like a very religious school and all girls, et cetera, et cetera. And they had written, they had wanted to show the parents this project that the kids did. And the question had been, if you could walk in someone's shoes, whose shoes would you walk in? So one girl wrote, my grandmother, she's such a holy woman. She raised 14 children. And then another one wrote, you know, you could get my mother because she cooks and takes care of the family. Mm-hmm. Like all these very traditional answers. And then came my daughter. My daughter wrote, why would I want to walk in anybody's shoes? Everyone else's shoes is going to be uncomfortable on me. <laughs> oh I'm goodness. going to wear my own shoes. And then she goes on <laughs> to describe. Go. She, again, she was this little first grader with this like complete not self-knowledge. And she just didn't take shit from anyone. And here's this little kid saying, this is ridiculous. And here I am thinking to myself, wait, could you say that again? Oh my God. You know, she feels the same way, but she's five. But she's five, but she got it. So that kind of helped me to realize that I wasn't the crazy one, that it was the world I was living in. Mm -hmm. That was crazy. And this idea that I have to limit my life because some man might think something. Right. It's so ludicrous when you break it down. It's absurd. Yeah. You know, and it's funny because now I've taken over as um, CEO and co-owner of Elite. We have to talk about Mm -hmm. this. Yeah. And I have to tell you that in the beginning, it was something uh, that I had a bit of a difficulty with because honestly, to me, the idea of girls standing in a line, having someone say, you're too fat, too thin, too short, too tall, too this... It didn't sit with it and just we, didn't yeah. sit well with me because I mean that's you know again it was making women less than to the point yes. that I mean when I started like really educating myself about the modeling industry I started seeing the flicker of a concept and then um, I met this incredible young woman who literally crystallized exactly what I wanted to do so here was this incredibly beautiful model very successful, personable, ambitious, strong, an amazing person who was literally starving herself to death. Mm. And I sat down with her and I said, look, and this is literally like, I think it was even before I took over CEO, I was just sitting and listening in and watching because I wanted to understand Mm -hmm. what was going on. And I told her like, please explain it to me. You're, you have everything. You're gorgeous. You're successful. You're booking so many jobs. Why? Are you not eating? And she said something to me that, I mean, shattered me, but it completely cemented what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. She said to me, Julia, 
What I put in my body is the only thing in my life I control. Wow. Oh. Okay. Mm. Because if you think about it, how does a model, uh, traditionally until today, but traditionally, how do you become a successful model? I mean, let's talk about that. Yeah. Because it was all about men were in charge, except for Wilhelmina and maybe Eileen Ford, a lot of men were in charge of modeling agencies. Yeah. You, but got, even- you got booked by sleeping with photographers. I mean, I know I lived with, I lived in my early days when I had roommates with models in New York. Mm-hmm. It was not a nice life. Yeah. And it was all about contorting yourself to be a certain way. I remember living with a model who was beside herself because she had to lose four pounds. She couldn't go out when she wanted to go out. I mean, and her body belonged to the agency. And I mean, you know, there there's a history to modeling that's yeah. very unsavory and very. super sexist, like exactly. the epicenter of misogyny. Right. And now here you go into it. This is going to be interesting. So what I realized, even in addition to what you're saying, is that traditionally, right, a model is not in control of her own destiny in the sense that mm. it used to be you have to have a magazine editor who fell in love with you or who liked your look or a photographer or a creative director or a casting agent, meaning you could be ambitious, you can be hardworking, you could be really focused, devoted, and yet it was in someone else's hands. Mm-hmm. As that model said, that's the only thing I control is what I put in my body because mm. basically her career was in the hands of a few. Yeah. But today, we're at a very extraordinary moment of time. And if I do this properly, I'm going to literally shift the power dynamic. Mm. And what I mean by this, and I mean, I have done so much research and I am 100% sure that we can pull this off. With the advent of social media, now you can like it, you can hate it, you can say, oh my God, now everybody's a celebrity. As anything else in life, it's a tool. Mm-hmm. It can be misused or be, or it can be something that empowers us. The reality is that the beauty to me of social media is that it democratized fashion. Think about it. When I went to Stanford, my, my daughter Miriam, who's now in Stanford, when I went to Stanford and I asked like her classmates, because I literally did my research. How many of you read a magazine? How many of you bought a magazine in the past six months? And I asked probably 200 people in Stanford University. You know what they told me? Do you know how many of those kids had said, yes, we bought a magazine? Not many. Zero. Zero. Oh my goodness. Literally zero. Literally zero. Not two, not four, zero. 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 And when I said to them, where do you get your fashion ideas? Where do you decide what the trends are? Every person. I asked the kids in Columbia. I asked the kids in Stanford University. Every person told me online. Their favorite Insta person, mm-hmm. on YouTube, on Snapchat, mm-hmm. and on television. Yeah, and when I say it. television, I don't mean the box. I mean on their computer, sure. whether it's Netflix or mm-hmm. Hulu yeah. or YouTube. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Which made me realize something. We now... I now have the capability, the capacity, if I create a structure where we systematically and literally in a very structured way start building people into, and I hate the word celebrity. I have to find another one. <laughs> Key opinion leader. I don't know. You're going to find I'm it. I'm going to find it. If the I word. know you. Yeah. But the idea is if we 
give them the opportunity to have a voice online mm -hmm. where there's no intermediary, where they're going directly to people and people get to know who they are, what they do, what they stand for, what makes them unique. Then it's the creative directors and the magazine editors running after them mm -hmm. because they are the brand. Right. Literally shifting the power so dynamic. So it's bigger than just a body or a face exactly. or whatever. It's like like she's not a, like a clothing rack. Exactly. It's like it's actually her and her personality exactly. and like it's building everything up. And she That's chooses. amazing. Think about it. Yeah. And she chooses who she wants to be. She gets to control her own destiny. She gets to control her story. She becomes the brand. She herself is a businesswoman who creates the image, what she believes in, what she feels strongly, and goes directly to people and tells them. She doesn't need the permission mm -hmm. of a creative director. And hey, I am a creative director. <laughs> I love creative directors. But we shouldn't control anybody's destiny. Mm. Women should be able to control their own destiny. And what I'm literally doing is I'm creating this digital structure and this business development structure so that each of the people we represent, we start thinking of them not as models, but as businesswomen. And we say, okay, what is the product you believe in? What do you stand for? What do you want to mean? What matters to you? And then we build their strategy online and we make them into people who the world knows for themselves. And do you have, so through mm, this, do you have like really a certain- That's how you change the power dynamic and you can change what the word model means. Mm -hmm. Because if you think about it, if you look on in the dictionary, a model means something that you either would like to be or would like to attain, right? You say, mm -hmm. I'd like to model myself after X. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It doesn't mean a body or a face. A rock climber can be a model. A deep sea diver, anyone with a voice and a message, hunger, ambition, drive, and dedication, I am going to make them into their own brand where they will never have to ask anyone for permission. That is Where they are awesome. in control of their own destiny. That is incredible. So is there, so I, I think you probably already asked. What's the part of it? Yeah, like I think, and also is there certain requirements for people that you look for, yes, you know? Yes, absolutely. So number one, business model. Basically the way we're doing it, because I understood that, you know, you have these, we have these wonderful agents and they really love the girls and they really want to do the best that they can. These are not people who are selling bodies. These are people who have known these girls since they were 14 years old or 18 mm -hmm. years old. They're more mommies and daddies and psychologists than anything else. So, But they're not comfortable with social media. It's not a world that they know. So I had to figure out a way to do it in a manner where the agent feels as comfortable with growing that person in the social media phase as they do booking her for a runway. Ah, yeah, it's like a culture shift. It's a massive culture shift. Mm -hmm. It's a massive culture shift. And so what I've done is right now, I'm building this team internally of this, we, we have two groups, the digital group and the business development group, none of whom are agents. Business development, for example, let's say we have a girl, Anne, actually, I'm going to not use her name, but there's an amazing woman who just created a hot sauce. All right. Right? Good right. girl. Good for her. Mm -hmm. She comes from Louisiana and she is kick-ass herself. And 
Hey, I'm a, I'm, an, I'm a Texan. Yes. I carry hot sauce in my pocketbook. Absolutely. So here she is. She created this hot sauce. And instead of telling her, oh, okay, we built you up to this place. Now go sell it with someone else. No, we have business development internally. One person will find her the funding. Another person will take care of marketing, distribution, production. Another person will take care of business development, business planning, so forth and so on. We're not her agents. We're her partners. This is like America's wow. next top model meets Shark Tank. Oh my God, right? But better with the feminist lens. <laughs> and it's with also like you're setting these, stuck these in women it. up to be able to like you're support themselves. Them exactly. That way, that girl at 47 years old will be making more money than when she walked a runway. Right. Wow. That's the idea. And Individuality she's not, like, she's and not starving herself. She's not killing herself. Exactly. Yeah. She's just being her. And so, number one, we, we figure out the problem. Okay. So let's say a girl comes in and says, look, I'm hungry. I want to do it. I've got the passion. I'll, you know, I'll work 20-hour days, whatever. So we decide what is she passionate about, and we find what we call an angel product. So now that we know the goal mm. is that angel product, yes. in comes the digital team. The digital team is comprised of people who worked at Snapchat, who worked at Instagram. I've got a producer. I've got a director. I've got a videographer, where they literally can help her tell her story. And we craft her image in the next two, three years online about the thing that she's passionate about. So when three years from now we start a product with her, it will make so much sense because that's already what she's known for. Right. And the agents will feel comfortable using these people because these people aren't agents. Mm -hmm. They're not going to steal the model. They're not taking her away. This isn't about percentage. This is about being business partners with these girls as opposed mm -hmm. to representing these girls. Okay, and the That angel, is a very oh, that's massive That's so different. Difference. It's a complete reversal. Yeah. As you said, tell me a little bit about the angel product. Yes. How, so... The appeal for the person who's providing the angel product is that they get placement. This, no, no, the angel product is a product built on the person. So, for example, oh, I get it. Now. My angel product would never be a health bar because my version of exercise is lifting a glass of champagne. Mm -hmm. So clearly, that wouldn't work for me. So, my angel product would be would have to be something that is true to who I am. So again, I see. shoes would be an angel product right. for me because I always wear massive okay. shoes. Okay, I misunderstood. So, now so I get it. So the angel product isn't that she's representing someone else's product. Got it. It's we're literally going to help her You're be a businesswoman. You're actually going to. Yes. Oh, I had no idea. That's the idea. I'm going to make businesswomen out of these people. I'm going to make brands with them. They, I'm yeah. going to partner with them. It's not going to be about walking the runway. It's going to be about the fact that for the next 30 years, she will be in control of her own this destiny. This is so innovative. It really is. I mean, the only thing that would be more radical mm -hmm. than this is if you could change, literally change the beauty standard. Well, that's part two. Well, funny you should say that <laughs> one day. Because I know who but I'm it, talking to here. <laughs> I know who I'm well, I mean, with. to me, again, as I said, the word model doesn't mean 5'11". Uh, 18 years old and a perfect body. Model means someone you want to model yourself after, someone inspiring, someone who has a message or a story. To me, someone who does something exceptional with their life, anything, I don't care how tall they are, I don't care how young they are, how old they are, I don't care what they look like. I care about what, I'll give you a perfect example. Please. Um, I want to use her name because she's so amazing and I am representing her, but I'm abysmal with names. Um, just call her Jane. Okay, we're just going to call her Jane. 
I found this incredible woman who we are now representing. She is 20 years old. She lives in San Francisco. And she is voluptuous and fabulous. She's maybe 5'5", five, five, and certainly not what you would consider like your traditional model. Uh, Skinny body. Yes, but she's glamorously gorgeous. I mean, she's right. unbelievable. And here's the part, like, I'm, I'm completely obsessed with her. What she does, she's an artist. Um, and she's got uh, installations now in Miami, in San Francisco, in California. She is this massive feminist. And what she does is she goes around and meets women of all different ethnicities, all different ages, and she creates, a, and she asks them if they will feel comfortable modeling for her and she molds their behinds. Wow. She makes a mold oh, right. of their butt. Nice. And then she takes that mold and she paints them and it just looks like undulating hills. And they're all these different sizes and they're all these different shapes. And she oh photographs the whole process and you see 80-year-old women laughing with 17-year-old girls in different body shapes. It is the most beautiful thing you've ever seen. She did like this massive installation of like a hundred butts right in front <laughs> of um, uh, Uber when that whole thing about how sexist oh, they are yeah, moved out. I remember this. It was glorious. Tell me that this girl isn't a model. Of she course she's a model. a model. She is a model for every other girl out there who has a passion, has a way to express herself. I mean, this girl is going to be famous. She right. is going to be a massive Massive power, and I'm going to help her and Hell represent yes. her. And she's going to be so empowering yes. and inspiring I mean, you, you for all of us to, meet to watch. Her. She's unbelievable. Of yes, course, I'm please. so abysmal with name. I'm sad that I can't remember her name. You I changed? once um, yeah. molded my butt. Speaking of molding mm. butts, it probably does not look as beautiful as uh, our, our our Jane that we're talking about. But yeah, I molded my butt for Aubrey's birthday or Valentine's Day or something, and I had to go stand for a couple of hours in some random-ass dude's apartment as he was molding my ass. And it's so heavy. It's like 50 pounds or something. You need to do this with Jane. Yeah, you need to. I mean, she made it such a, like, an incredibly feminine, extraordinarily empowering experience. And she videos the whole process. And you see these women from all these different nationalities and all these different ages, and they're just celebrating the difference in their bodies. Mm, And I was obsessed with that. So to me, I mean, we're getting people who, I mean, whether they're transgender, you know, we now have several transgender Mm -hmm. models, which is like, yes. Yes. Um, To, you know, I mean, again, whether they're not even traditional models at all, they don't have to ever walk a runway. If they have a passion, if they have a story, if they have something to bring to this world and can inspire others, I'm going to help them to create a business and a brand around what they're passionate about. Okay, you revolutionized lace. You revolutionized (laughs) the shoe. shoe. And now you're revolutionizing modeling. I don't know what's going to come after this, but I just... (laughs) I can't wait to find out. I know. <laughs> Julia, Wait, I'm how, on the Julia hi- hype train. I'm on the hype train. <laughs> I'm on it. This Thank is a very guys. fast ride. We're going very fast. Yes. I don't know where we're going, but it's going to be very I good. don't know, but I am on there with a glass of champagne <laughs> yes, and we ride yeah. Oh, my God. Okay, how do our listeners find you on social media? Because you know they want to follow your story and be just like you or Thank a you. version of you, of themselves that you set free. 
Thank you. Um, actually, you know, I'm terrible with social media myself. I just hired an amazing young woman to help me build my social profile because I, I just do things and then they're like, Julia, you need to photograph this. Julia. And I'm like, oh yeah, oops. I'm in the middle of it. Oh, I'm doing say, it. Good for you. No, I mean, that's so what smart. I'm saying. I'm saying yeah. you say to them, I can't photograph it. I'm in the middle well, of it. I'm doing problem. it. Yeah. You're a creator. But the problem is that it is important because as you said, you do want to get that message. You do want people mm. to understand what you're doing. You do want to connect with others. And particularly if you're like revolutionizing things and you're inspiring and you're building people's careers and like you're setting this a like amazing benchmark and possibility for women everywhere. Thank you. So yeah, right now it's Julia Hart. Okay. That's my with two A's, double right? A. Double A. Yeah, double A. And you know, I've got the little check. So okay. that's the way you'll know it's the real me. The real Julia yeah, Hart. Yeah, the real Julia Hart. And hopefully I'll have a lot more content on there soon. Great. And, and you have other exciting things in development. I don't know if we can talk about them, yes, but pretty I'm soon you're going to be everywhere. Them, I'm yeah. just going to drop a hint. Pretty soon she's going to be everywhere. That's all I'm saying right now. <laughs> Julia, thank you so much for coming on, for how inspiring you are. You Also, we didn't even talk about the fact that you're 47 years old and you came into your power and your inspiration after having four children when some women might be saying like, is it time to slow down? And your answer was hell no. And you're newly engaged. <laughs> yes, I so am. Congratulations. Getting married in less than two weeks. Ooh, girl. I feel like you're going to revolutionize marriage. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. you a beautiful yes. story. You know this story, but it's such a beautiful story. Um, Julia Hart is a name I created. I made it up. It's not the name I was born with. And it's something I'm really proud of because I built who Julia Hart is. Mm -hmm. um, and when my fiance, Silvio, asked me to marry him, I said, you know, yes, but I'm not taking your name. Like, this is my name, you know? And he totally understood because he knows about my past. And um, we had ordered like all these, you know, this massive set of silverware from Tiffany's. And it comes to our apartment and I open it up um, and his name is Silvio. So I see there's a J on the left, an S, and then in the middle is this big H. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, oh my God, Tiffany's messed it up. Like I had told them I'm not taking his name. So they accidentally made a monogram and they put my last name, H, in the middle. And, and this is hundreds of thousands of dollars of silverware and oh it's goodness. not returnable because it's got our initials on it. So I'm like, oh my God, this is not good. So I walk over to Sylvia. I'm like, um, honey, you may want to look at this. And I just give him a knife where, you know, the H there is right in the middle. And he said, surprise, I'm taking your name. Oh, oh my God. What? I knew I loved that man. You said the me most cry. beautiful thing you've ever heard. <laughs> I and can't. And it's not something I asked him to do. I he can't. literally surprised me. And he put it on everything. It's on our towels. It's on oh literally God. everything. Wow. He's going on Friday to change his name. <sighs> right? Speechless. <laughs> Whoa. See, you guys are already revolutionizing marriage. There we go. Oh. He's the best. I really love he him. He is the best. Really oh, is. I'm so happy for you guys. I That's love amazing. you both. I'm so happy Thank for you. you. And I'm so happy that you're going out and changing the world for Thank women. you. Well, you guys are and doing the alike. exact same thing. I mean, you know, I, I, I talked a lot about what I was doing, but you know how Wednesday and I met. Um, when I was working with UTA, they, they said, oh, you have to meet this woman Wednesday. You'll love her. And I think we met in my office in La Perla. And then five minutes later, I was 
rambling and telling her my entire life story. Yeah. And afterwards she said, I haven't told anybody I told that. Anyone. You have to be quiet. And I was like, you know what? This is a meant to be friendship. Yeah. Not, we're meant to confide yeah. in each other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Here she is. She's changing sexuality, you know, for women. <laughs> and making women comfortable with saying, I love orgasms. I do things my way. I deserve orgasms. I deserve orgasms. Yeah. And I'm entitled to that. Like there I'm entitled to a comfortable shoe. There yes. you go. Yes. So <laughs> the I basics. Mean, I know you are both extraordinary, doing incredible things to change and help women really come into themselves. So I love this whole female power thing going on here. We had to have you. We had to have you. Thank you, Julia. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, guys.